This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. Well, before we begin, just this word. For the last ten and a half years, this program, Cross Hope, has been heard not only on some local stations, including WFCJ 93.7 FM in Dayton, but heard on Sirius XM Channel 131 on satellite radio called the Family Talk Channel. That ends this week on the 31st. We're not excited about that, but that's the reality we're facing. So we'll not be heard after Friday this week on Sirius XM Channel 131, the Family Talk Channel. God bless you as you listen to Cross Hope today. You've heard the expression, you've used it, you may have had someone use it with you recently, and it's this, context is everything. Context is everything. What does that mean? You can hear something and not know the context in which it was said, but once you find out what was going on around the saying of those words, you say, oh, okay, I understand now. Maybe you overheard somebody talking about you, but you didn't know the context. Maybe you thought somebody was talking about you and they were talking about someone else, but once they explained the context of the conversation, you said, oh, now I get it. Context is everything. It's important to know the context. You say, where are you going with this? Well, today we're going to look at one of the most unpopular passages of Scripture in the whole Bible. People make fun of this passage to me. People mock it to me. It's happened to me. People get angry, I mean violently angry at this scripture. I've had it happen, I told you, several months ago at a wedding. When I read the part of the scripture I'm going to read today, and after the wedding, a woman ran up to me with fire in her eyes. Did never saw her before or since. And she said, you ruined this wedding. And I said, how did I ruin this wedding? By reading the scripture that the couple asked me to read. I'm saying that for this reason. I'm reading today from the pulpit the longest passage of Scripture I've ever read before publicly. I've never read a passage this long, but I'm only going to talk about one verse, the first verse. The rest of it you're going to have to piece together, and the Holy Spirit's going to do that for you and with you and with me as we consecrate this message to the Lord. But I want you to understand the context of this passage. In order to understand, for instance, what Paul said about submission in marriage, you need to know the context in which he was writing. Three cultures back then, Jewish, Greek, and Roman. Here's what was going on with marriage in those three cultures. In the Jewish culture, a Jewish man might pray this prayer, God, I thank you that you did not make me a Gentile or a slave or a woman. That was the attitude that some Jewish men at least had toward their wives. In Jewish law, according to one scholar, a woman was not a person but a thing. She was property and had no legal rights whatsoever. William Barclay, the biblical scholar, said that under Jewish law, a husband could divorce his wife for any reason whatsoever. But a wife could not divorce her husband for virtually no reason at all. That was the Jewish culture. Greek culture, prostitution was rampant. A man by the name of Demosthenes wrote this, We have women for the sake of pleasure and daily cohabitation, and we have our wives for the purpose of having children, legitimately, and as a faithful guardian of the household. That was the Greek culture. The Roman culture was even worse. At the time of Paul, family life was in shambles. Seneca wrote that women were married to be divorced and divorced to be married. 
One scholar from back then gives an example of a woman who was married to her 23rd husband, and she herself was his 21st wife. You know, what do you get for somebody for their 23rd wedding? I don't know. That's just a side thought. And we'll continue this message on Cross Hope tomorrow at the same time, same station. God bless you. Remember, this program will continue on WFCJ 93.7, even though it ends on Sirius XM on Friday. In Roman law, when a woman gave birth to a baby, she was to lay the baby at the feet of her husband, and he went up or down, keep the baby or throw it out, literally throw it out. And that helps you understand, as graphic as that is, the context at which I'm reading some of this scripture today. And maybe you'll soften yourself and say, well, wait a minute, maybe I'll look at this passage a little differently because the Bible elevates the role of women and elevates the role of children when children were thrown out as garbage and women were treated as property. And then you read this in a whole new way. We're in the book of Ephesians. I'm only going to talk about one verse, but I'm going to read a number of verses to you. Beginning at chapter 5, verse 21, this is exactly where we left off last week. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What did Christ do for the church? Died for it. He died for it. And that's what a husband is to do, is to lay down his life for his wife and family. I'll talk about that in a minute. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Today, we talk about one of the most controversial words in the Bible. It's the word submission. You need to understand this. Submission that I talk about is voluntary. It's mutual. It's reciprocal. Where we choose to submit to other people. The one verse I'm going to focus in is verse 21 of chapter 5. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I want to talk about that verse very briefly. I'm a wordsmith, and I always want to know, what do words mean? What's the original? The word reverence in the Greek is the word phobos. Well, you don't have to be a a language scholar to know what word we get from that phobia, fear. We're to submit to one another out of fear. Fear of God, fear of Christ, a reverence for Christ. And that's new territory for some people. So the motivation is that we fear God, and here's the point. Show me a man who doesn't fear God, and I'll show you a man who probably doesn't submit to anybody. Show me a woman who doesn't fear the Lord, and I'll probably be able to show you a woman who says, I don't care what they say, I'm doing my own thing. I do what I want. I'm my own boss. I do everything on my own. Submission is a result of a relationship with Jesus Christ and a reverence and a fear of Almighty God. What I'm going to do today is just give you three suggestions on what submission is, and I think it's going to change the way you look at the word submission. Let's bring up the first one. Submission is cooperation. Submission is cooperation voluntarily, mutually, out of reverence for Christ. Have you ever had anyone in your family that you've said this, you know, we would have had a good Thanksgiving if only he would have cooperated? 
well, you know, we had a nice Christmas last year, but, you know, so-and-so ruined it because she refused to cooperate in what we were doing. And before you start throwing rocks at other people, remember, people may talk about you and me that way. Well, we'll continue this message tomorrow on Crossover, but just another reminder that this program will cease airing on Sirius XM Channel 131, the Family Talk Channel, at the end of this week, the 31st. God bless you. We love you. We want to just express our gratitude to you as faithful listeners. This program obviously will continue on WFCJ 93.7 in Dayton, Ohio, as we have for a number of years. God bless you all. Submission simply is cooperating with other people in such a way that we're in this together. I told a powerful story. It was powerful to me because the most powerful story out of World War II to me was not D-Day and all the battles of the Battle of the Bulge and the Battle of Britain and uh, the Eighth Air Force bombing Europe and all those important things that happened. The most interesting story for me was when General George Marshall, four-star general, went to his junior officers, and here's what he said. He shocked the daylights out of them. He said, how can I help you? What can I do as general to help you in your job? What can I do to make your job easier? And they were stunned that a four-star general would come to them, the junior officers, and say, what can I do to make your job easier? I don't mean to be melodramatic here or funny or facetious at all. I'm dead serious. What would happen if every husband in this room went home today and said to his wife, what can I do to help you? After she got up off the floor from fainting and dusted herself off, she might tell you a couple of things. What would happen if every wife said to her husband, what could I do to make it what you do easier? How can I help you? What would happen if parents said to their children, what can we do as parents to help you in what you have to do? What would happen if children said to their parents, what could we do to help you? It would change things dramatically. You see, cooperation says so much about who you are as a man or woman. And a refusal to cooperate says so much about you as a man or a woman. Do you understand that? It's true in families. It's true at work. It's true in the neighborhood. It's true at school. It's true everywhere in the body of Christ. Submission is voluntarily cooperating with other people. Why? Because I love Jesus Christ. And I'm doing it out of reverence for him. Let's bring up the second one. Secondly, submitting is serving voluntarily one another, serving people. And that's a new word for some people because there are people in every group, in my opinion, that have been raised that other people exist for one purpose, to serve me. There are children, there are two and three and four and five-year-olds who grew up that think everybody's purpose Wait on me. Serve me. That's cute when they're children. It's awful when they're teenagers and beyond. When everybody's purpose is to wait on me and to serve me. And your existence, your only reason for being is to wait on me and serve me. And so it was a new, a new teaching when the Apostle Paul came along and said, submission is serving. Jesus is described this way. He made himself a servant. The King of kings and the Lord of lords became a servant even to the point of what? The cross. You talk about servanthood, to die on a cross, that is servanthood to the nth degree. And so you want to be a 
person who submits to someone, you are a person who is willing to serve. The highest office in the body of Christ, as I've said many times, is servant. It's not minister. It's not elder or deacon. It's to say, I am a servant of the king. James, the man who wrote the book of James at the end of the New Testament, identifies himself not as the half-brother of Jesus, which he could have done. He said, I am a servant. I am a servant of Jesus Christ. He had more authority as a servant than he did as the half-brother of Jesus. Well, once again, a reminder that this program will continue to air next week on WFCJ 93.7 FM, but it will not be airing as of the end of this year on Sirius XM Channel 131, the Family Talk Channel. We've been talking about it for the last two weeks. It's a powerful, dramatic decision for us, but we need to inform you of that today. God bless you, and thanks for listening to Cross Hope. I'm going to tell you a powerful story about servanthood that I think you'll remember this story. I remember stories because they have an impact on me. Dr. Paul Gordon was professor of preaching for years at Denver Seminary in Denver, Colorado. I heard him speak in Oregon, at Cannon Beach, Oregon, at a conference years ago, and he told a story that had a great impact on him because he observed it. He said he was at a church camp, high school kids at a typical church camp, much like camp you've been to or the camp we support near Hillsboro. He said there were two senior high boys that wouldn't cooperate with the program. They wouldn't get up. They wouldn't go to devotions. They wouldn't go to flag raising. They wouldn't go to breakfast. They just kind of snubbed their nose at any authority. We're just sleeping in at this camp. The dean of the week had the authority, as dean legal authority, to call the parents and say, come and get your sons. They're not cooperating. They're not participating in the program. Take them home. But he didn't do that. Paul Gordon said he was shocked by when he heard what this dean did. He went to the dining hall and had the cooks prepare two trays of food one morning breakfast. And he walked into the dorm carrying two trays of breakfast. The boys are just snoring away. Laid it down in the lap of one and laid it down on the lap of the other. Woke them up and sat down at the end of one of the beds and said, boys, I know you've had it rough here. This has been really traumatic on you to have to come to church camp and probably just can't adjust to it. So I, I just wanted to bring you breakfast in bed today and make it a little easier. Guess who was at breakfast the next morning? Who was up for flag raising those two boys because they were humbled, humbled by the servanthood spirit of the dean who had the authority to dismiss them but chose rather to be a servant. This may be the most important thing I'm going to say today. There's some parents who are used to dictating to their children who may learn a lesson from that, that maybe there's the time that I'll accomplish more by serving my children than dictating to them. Always? No. Sometimes, yeah. Maybe by serving people instead of always saying, this is the way it is and it's my way or the highway and you better get used to it, Buster. That may not accomplish as much as saying, how can I serve you? How can I make what you do easier? Just an idea. Because you see, submission to one another out of reverence for Christ involves cooperation. It involves serving. And there's one more thing it involves. Let's bring that up. Serving or submission is honoring people. Honoring people. What does it mean to honor people? I'm going to give you a definition that maybe you've never heard of before. To honor somebody means to place value on a person. 
When we read earlier about honoring your parents, what's it mean to honor your parents? You place value on your parents. What do you place value on? Their opinions. Have you ever heard an adult child? And I, I'm serious. I am not being facetious. You ever heard an adult child re reference their mom or dad and say, oh, he's an idiot. She is so stupid, my mom. And you realize that they may be right. But it doesn't honor them. It's not placing value on them. It's not doing what God has not suggested we do, but has ordered us to do, to honor your parents. The first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you'll live long life on this earth by what? Good health habits? No, by honoring your parents. That's what it says. Well, we have to end the program today by reminding those listeners from Sirius XM Channel 131, the Family Talk Channel, that today is our last day after 10 and a half years of broadcasting on this channel. We want you to know that this program will continue, Lord willing, on WFCJ 93.7 FM in Dayton, Ohio. But we thank you for the 10 and a half years we've had with you on the Family Talk Channel. God bless you. We love you. When a husband honors his wife, what's it mean? You place value on her opinions. You place value on what they feel, their feelings. When a wife places value on her husband, she says, I value how he feels. I am concerned about how he feels about this situation. That's honoring. I want to tell you a powerful story about that that just really touched me because four times, I think four or five times in my years in the ministry, I've had couples come to a wedding planning meeting and saying, we have written our wedding vows and we want to say our own vows. And I say, I am okay with that. I don't have a problem with that. As long as you let me read them. I just want to know what I'm going to be reading in front of all the guests at your wedding. I want to know that what I'm reading, I agree with. I had one couple, Columbus, Ohio, brought their wedding vows in and I said, I can't do this. I can't do your wedding and read these vows. I said, I don't mean to be mean. I don't mean to be uncooperative, but I can't read these vows. And the reason was they were so open-ended. It was like an escape clause. I will love you until. I will love you as long as. I will love as, you know, the feelings are there and the emotions there and the sun is still shining kind of thing. But other than that, I'm out of here. That's basically the gist of their wedding vows. So I said, I cannot do this wedding. So you either have to change your vows or, and I said it very respectfully, get someone else to do the wedding. Well, they ended up changing their vows and, and they went along with it and they understood my concerns later. But I did a wedding in Canton, Ohio. I think at a Presbyterian or Methodist church, beautiful building for a couple named Jim and Julia, a couple that was from the church in Columbus. And I saw something at their wedding that I've never seen ever before since where people started weeping during the wedding vows because of the way they were worded. They wrote it, and here's what happened. Jim looks at his bride, Julia, and in front of everybody, he says, as a part of the vows, Julia, in front of all these people, in front of God as our witness, I, I promise to you today that, Julia, I'm going to honor you every day of my life for the rest of my life. People started weeping. Because he meant it. It wasn't just, you know, icing on the cake or just for fluff. And Julia turns to, to Jim and says, Jim, I, I say in front of all these people, in front of God as my witness, 
I'm going to honor you every day of my life, and I'm going to show honor to you every way I can until I die. There was power. There was power in someone promising before God and before witnesses, I promise to honor you. Why? That's submission. Submission is cooperating, it's serving, and it's, it's honoring. What would happen, just theoretically, just stay with me, just you know, humor me for a minute. If you decided today, I'm going to cooperate with the people I say I love. What would happen if you say today, I'm going to serve the people I say I love. I'm going to honor the people I love. And I want to suggest that you and I can't brag about how much we love God and we love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our souls and all our mind, and then turn around and show anything of those things to the people we claim to love. People who love the Lord tend to love people. And people who reverence Jesus Christ tend to be people who submit in cooperation, submit by serving and submit by honoring and blessing people with those words. Well, starting Monday, January 4th, this program will have a brand new name. It will be called Heritage. The same music, a different announcer, but same music and a new title, Heritage. God bless you and hope you'll listen Monday to Heritage, same time, same place. listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries Incorporated.